Hello everyone, and welcome to this inaugural edition of what will be known as the Anime Limited Podcast, unless we decide to change the title at a later point. I am marketing executive for Anime Limited, Mr. Jeremy Graves. You may know me from past ventures involving other podcasts, such as the Manga UK podcast, because I now have moved north of the border. To North Glasgow, the Scotland, wall, in fact. Not the wall, there you go. Uh, to Glasgow, Scotland, which at the time of recording, it is now bright sunshine, despite the fact it has been bombing it down with rain for the past two hours. But we are here recording this on the 26th of February, for those of you who like to keep track. Now, today I am joined by Kerry Kasim and Andrew Partridge of Anime Limited. And this is going to be a bit of a weird podcast, perhaps, in, in the eyes of some of you, because what we've decided to do is this is to treat this podcast as an introduction to the world of Anime Limited. When I came up here, I wanted to try and add as much content as I can. I know Andrew and Kerry were game with that as well. And one of the ideas I pitched from the outset was a podcast, because it's a great way to connect with you, the people listening, customers, fans, however you want to phrase it. And at the same time, it's a chance to touch on a, on a variety of topics in all manner of ways. And today, the theme is very much introductions. So, the way this is going to work is, although I now work at Anime Limited, I'm essentially going to be interviewing Andrew and Kerry to get the lowdown on what has been going on at Anime Limited. And what you guys couldn't see is they both just did like a fist bump, which was quite impressive. But to begin with, uh, just, be just before actually getting into this interview proper and those two can actually speak, I just want to say that when it comes to how the show is going to be distributed and how often we're doing it, we're going to aim for at least once a month. It could be more frequent than that if there's something we want to talk about or if there's a need for us to talk about it. But we're aiming for once a month in the interim. And as things stand, we're just going to be on SoundCloud for now because it's a really versatile platform that I've always wanted to, to sink my teeth into. But I am going to try and get this thing on iTunes as well. But for this first episode, just assume it's only on SoundCloud unless an iTunes feed miraculously pops up and we start plugging it everywhere. So to begin with, Kerry, Andrew, welcome to your show. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> Super, that was a hell of an introduction. I'm in the words of the Lego movie, which was cruelly not nominated for an Oscar at all or any particular kind of award in the academies this year, barring the song. I'm awesome. So I guess from the get-go, let's just go back to the beginning. Andrew, how did you conceive Anime Limited? Anime Limited came about uh, like uh, while I was a freelance consultant, actually. Um, working for a number of people. I'd left Bandai at that point. I was working for people like Kaze, Viz Media Europe, and a few others, actually. And the concept came around. I'd always thought there was a place in the market for something, a bit like what Criterion does with film. For those of you who don't know the Criterion Collection, they've worked with a lot of really interesting films over the years, um, including an anime, actually, Akira, on Laserdisc, would you believe, way back in the day. And their, their remit was always to deliver, and it always is, to deliver content aimed kind of squarely at film buffs, actually. So things like essays, high-quality content on disc in terms of extras, restorations, etc. And I, I couldn't help but think that that model would work well for anime fans as well, maybe less in terms of academic film buff like Criterion goes for, but in terms of fans who want more out of their releases... Um, like than just a standard edition um, and the idea was not to ignore the standard edition market but what could we deliver that was beyond just print a disc, put it in a box send it out 
basically. And that's kind of where we started and we evolved from there. The goal being to, to do theatrical as well, as I'd run Scott and Love's anime for four years at that point, three, four years. Um, and I like a, a long-standing interest in showing people really cool films that don't get a chance to screen. Ghibli is normally the only thing in anime which hits the big screen by and large. We wanted to change that and actually have as we've gone along step by step. Um, baby steps at a time. And we've kind of grown with that kind of goal of showing people something that's not necessarily the like the stereotypical, although some, we're, we're not opposed to showing people something which is popular, but something which is a challenge is equally interesting to us. Uh, ranging from films like Giovanni's Island, uh, which hasn't even had a US release yet, all the way along to shows like Kill the Kill, where the format has been kind of restrictive, actually, all in all, but we've made the best of a challenging situation, all in all, and, like, generated the best possible product for the market. I would say the best possible product for, like, in general, actually, for, for the territory, for Europe as a whole, for it. I guess that's how we started, and that's why I ended up meeting both yourself, actually, Jeremy, and um, Kerry, like, who's our head of marketing. The desire to do something interesting with interesting people. So, Kerry, be frank, how did he rope you into this? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> we'd meet up frequently and kind of catch up, and he told me, uh, Andrew told me that he was going to go ahead and start this company, and he told me about his plans, and um, said, you know, sounded really enthusiastic about it, really passionate about it, and said he needed somebody to come on board and, and deal with the marketing. Um, and I was a bit worried because my my knowledge of of anime and the community isn't that large um but he said not a problem um you know this is the kind of work we're going to do and it was completely different it was um a different product and it was it was kind of a chance and an opportunity to be um at the very start of something and that that intrigued me a lot and throughout my whole uh, I guess you could call it career. I've I've always done things like that where I've I've jumped in and and tried to do something a bit different. And it certainly has been, and it's been a huge education for me. And I've pretty much enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, even even the crazy months and months and months when we're really busy and and conventions and events. Um, it's great. It's fantastic. I've I've really loved everything I've done, and and every title we've put out. Practically, I've loved every one of them. And besides from the the, the, the lovely brainwashed statement on it, why well, I <laughs> like, I drank the no, Kool-Aid. There's no gun. There's no gun, gun at her head of, at this point. He said, notionally. But um, yeah. like more importantly, like your your experience has grown over time as well. You've mm-hmm. learned a lot about anime. I mean, you've managed to survive watching all three Evangelion films <laughs> on the big screen in the space of three days. Yes, it, the Evangelion films were were, were something. <laughs> um, I'm just going to leave it at that. If uh, anybody wants me to further uh, comment on that, they can they can come and talk to me about it. But uh, visually uh, and on the big screen, <laughs> they were gorgeous. Especially watching the first two in the 35 mil, like that yeah. looks amazing. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So basically, that's how she was roped in. I was it, he he seduced me with cartoons and uh, you know a chance to be part of something cool from the start. So how could I say no to that? Based on what your vision was for Anime Limited, has it developed the way you anticipated, or have there been a lot of changes along the way you've had to adapt to? 
the first thing I was always taught, actually, when I started a film festival, like, back, like, five years ago now, actually, was that you had to be flexible, by and large. I wouldn't say things have changed, it's just you, like, it's less about not having a direction rolling for punches than having a general point you want to be at, where you want to be, like, in, in any given year, and finding a way there that, that makes sense. Like, for, for us, kind of exceptionally arty as that sounded. But um, we've, we've kind of been working with the direction we have. I mean, you don't... No one starts out perfect, unfortunately. And, you know, it has been... Like, we've had a fair share of bumps over at the time. But we're kind of getting that the direction we want to be in just now. So we, we're redoing our website, actually, just now, two years in, to be kind of more a hub for everything we do. I mean, we were already there, like, to an extent, with a, a nice responsive site and a shop separately. Now we're kind of bringing everything together a bit. So the shop takes more forefront and manages the entire catalogue, so you can view everything we've worked on. And then we have, we're moving the interactive content, kind of the engagement stuff we do in terms of new content, like blog, newswire, like other content, you know, video previews, that kind of thing, all to blog.allbeanimate.com. Um, and, like, that's kind of where we're going. I mean, we're, we're kind of growing organic content now. We have enough titles in our catalogue to actually grow kind of discussive content from cool writers, for example, who are not just us. Um, we have enough people in staff to do really interesting things, like bring back sales data, for example, which will be starting again next month. We'll probably do some backlog, actually, on that. Um... Like, just generally bring more to engage people, because it's... Like, every company says the same thing now. It's all about engagement, and everyone's right. It's about not just how we discuss things with you and how you discuss things with us. It's about showing... Like, we were always about showing you interesting things, and we're actually being able to do that across the board now, both in terms of actual content we acquire and what we talk about. And that's something which, like, is incredibly fascinating to me, to be honest. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, that, that, the actual website stuff launches, should be launched by the time you listen to this, in fact, which is pretty cool. One of the really cool remits with the, with the new website and getting more content up there is not only um, having content written by cool new writers or cool older writers, um, but also that discussing things like our licenses or titles that we've licensed, but, but just things in general that, that appeal to us and that are interesting that are not necessarily related to us business-wise, but something that's, that's interesting for the community at large. So it's not just anime limited, it's other things available. And when it comes to a presence that you have, because obviously I know because I work here now, that we've had lots of discussions about how we want to try and be at more places and how we can try and develop a lot more things. It, is the goal then, because everyone listening to this won't know, can you give people an idea of how much more they'll actually be able to get in touch with us, be it at an event or through the world of social media. Yeah, like I mean, we're like we're not just getting out there in terms of events. We will be attending a very large slate of events, which I think we'll actually be posting the next newswire. Um, but we will also we're also available on a lot of platforms already. We're already quite engaging as far as things go. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube, we're on um, Tumblr as well and such. Right? And, like, it's always going to keep growing. And then there's the main website as well, as we've mentioned already, for, for reaching out to people like to us. Dialogue is important to us, and you'll be able to, like, to reach out and let us know either things you like or things you don't like. 
And it's, it's equally important, the two. If we don't know what you don't like as well, it's going to be impossible to change. You know, we're not... Like, we're not a, a large company like Universal or such, or Warner. We're not... Like, you know, we're not fueled by massive amounts of content going through, so every person is important to us. When this podcast goes live, you'll actually be able to see all of the, the links as well, but very clearly signposted at the bottom of our blog and our main site as well. So, um, check them out. When it comes to your favourite titles, Andrew and Kerry, you've both had to deal with a lot. Standouts for you. Or is there something about a release that, that really sums up what Anime Limited is about to you? In terms of licenses that have come out for us, I, I'm, I've said this a million times, but I really love Space Dandy. Everything about Space Dandy just absolutely tickles me. I love it. It's great. The, the pop art style, the music is phenomenal. The pop culture references in practically every episode. Um, the different directors for each episode it lends it a different kind of tone. Um, and basically, I, I, going with what Manami-san um, called it, a festival of animation, which is what makes it really special because it celebrates not specifically one kind of, of animation, but all different sorts. Um, and it, it comes across in, in the series as well. And in terms of marketing as well, it's always it's been my favorite in terms of seeing what Japan have done to kind of promote the, the, the series. Uh, for example, when uh, Watanabe-san was in uh, the UK last October for MCM, um, he brought along dandy sunglasses that were made in conjunction with Washin, which if you don't know about are like this fantastic glasses um, like spec company in, in Japan and it was just the little details on it, the little stars on, on the legs um, the glasses case the the packaging itself the, um, the like the cloth to clean your glasses everything about it was fantastic and um the vinyl records, the cassette tapes, everything. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed Space Andy, and and the English dub is pretty phenomenal. And uh, uh, it's honestly, it's one of my favorites. It's it's hilarious, and I think um, maybe doesn't get as much love as it should. But I, I think uh, I think quite a few people maybe disagree with me on that. I think that there are loads of people out there who do love it as much as I do. But um, it's definitely be my favorite, and always makes me smile, and always makes me laugh, and when it's come to QC, it's been a joy because I really enjoyed watching it. So, yeah, I'm going with Space Andy. It is worth mentioning as well that we like Space Andy also provided, because you don't tend to work on the product side a lot, but you did work for guests a lot. And we even had for Space Andy a, a giant inflatable meow costume as well, which we forced our, at present, not in the office, um, product manager cat into. So it was a cat inside a cat, basically. Um, it was pretty special. It, it was, was very special. We like, I like, to be honest, the urge to to do a slow mo video with the iPhone to Pacific Rim as it walked was quite tempting. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was a special title across the board in terms mm -hmm. of guests and such. That's something we like. We do enjoy working with guests as well for that kind of thing. Um, for for me, I guess the title which was summers up. There's a lot of titles. I mean, we've like. We have like stumbled and we've we've got back up again and such. So there's a, there's titles like Cowboy Bebop, for example, which are a good example, where you find a problem and we fixed it and we did like it took a bit longer than we would like, but we did send out replacements to people, for example. 
where possible, we try and make things things right when things don't go go the direction everyone would like. Um, in terms of title overall, though, I'd say the the title which defines Anime Limited just now for me, per, on a personal level, would be Giovanni's Island, because it's not an easy title. It was a challenge. It's a good title. It's a very good title based on timing and the his like the historical background. It tells a very important story in the history of like of the world actually in an area where in the West we're just not taught about. When you're taught about what happened after World War Two, for example, you don't like you instinctively know that like some of the detail about what happened in Asia, you know, but you don't certainly don't know what happened after the war. By and large, post-war history is normally taught about what happened in Europe. So, like, for us, that was an important project, and we did an Ultimate Edition again because there was just so much information to give about the topic. So for me, it's kind of Giovanni's Island, I guess, as a, a project we have. With content being a very important aspect of Anime Limited titles, is it something that, be it for a standard edition or higher, to phrase it that way, is that always something you're striving to get, or is it more what you can get that you include? Um, I'd say it's a combination of the two to an extent, but there's always going to be a time where you're told you can't have that. Um, the case the point being Kill the Kill, for example, where we weren't allowed to access the soundtrack or the uh, making of DVDs, for example. And there was, however, a wealth of print material to work from in the series, so we started working with that, for example. Or, like, the extent of where you, it's less about taking what you're given and making the most of what is available and negotiating for what you possibly can. Um, and sometimes just asking and seeing if something is possible. Now, case in point, an exclusive piece of information for the podcast is the Space Dandy Season 2 release will actually feature, an ex- for the collector's edition at the very least, will feature an exclusive illustration from Yoshiyuki Ito, the character designer for Space Dandy and Full Metal Alchemist, actually, for that matter, may I add, on the, the box. Um, we're really excited about that one, actually, because we, we worked very closely on it, actually, in terms of drawing it out. It's just one of Cat's pet projects, actually. Um, and so it's a, it's a case of sometimes it's about asking if it's possible, sometimes it's about just like just looking at what's available and asking about the elements. Sometimes it's about making do with what you have in the best possible way. Um, it's a lot of work, whatever happens, and we do strive to get the best possible materials. There's always a time constraint on things from the minute you license it though, and we're getting better and better every time about sourcing for classic shows in particular the materials in advance, and knowing going into the the licensing stage what we want, and what we want to do so we can push that as part of the the overall deal. And that's really exciting and a big change. That's something which has changed a lot over the last two years for us. One of the things that that makes Anime Limited for one of a better way of putting it change the trend of how things progress is release times. Being able to, for example, to release Space Dandy earlier than the USA, was that something you always wanted to try and do? Or was that something that almost just worked out because of the nature of product you were trying to deliver? For the USA to an extent, like versus the USA, it's very difficult normally. Space Dandy is a very special exception, actually, mm. um, in terms of TV series, because the dubbing cost for a TV series is prohibitively high normally. Now, film, however, we tend to be normally very much ahead, at least in terms of theatrical exploitation. We are normally ahead of America and like either parallel or ahead of other English-speaking territories, actually, as a whole. Um, it depends on the film, of course. But, I mean, take, for example, Giovanni's Island. 
we were, you know, Rotten Tomatoes was racking up our reviews of it before anyone else. You know, only afterwards when it started trying for an Oscar nomination run, um, did it start showing in America and start adding Rotten Tomato ratings to it there, for example. Um, and Patman Inverted as well. We, we actually ran the dub for that, for example, and had it out theatrically before a screening in the USA. For example, it premiered in the UK, for like in Europe, actually, in the UK, outside of Annecy. So, actually, the UK premiere was in, like, was by us, for example. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's not deliberate, but the goal is to decrease the gap, actually, between really less about the USA and more about from Japan to the UK, I guess. We want to get the content out for you guys in a format that you, like, that you want as soon as possible. Now, that's not always possible on every level of product, for example, you can't easily bring out a complete collection day one, like day and date with, say, America, for example, or Japan, nowadays at least. Um, and you know what? Like, we just work with what we can there, by and large. We try our best. Looking ahead, and I'll open this to both of you, any particular goals for Anime Limited over the next 12 months, or anything you, you, you sort of want to really see if you can make possible? Well, I'd like a holiday. Um, for starters but um, no jokes aside um, on my end I would say it's like the the really the the really key thing for me is developing our like how we engage with the audience like I know it's a like a catchphrase everyone uses but we're developing our own our own website structure and such we work just now with a lot of partners for for digital Um, might be nice to do something ourselves there at some point maybe not in the next 12 months though it's hard to to say, to be honest, but it'd be nice to, to build the digital market a bit more in the UK. Um, on top of what we're doing just now, we work with a lot of partners ranging from, you know, Wakanim, Viewster, Netflix, like Vimeo On Demand, which we do directly, things like iTunes, we'll, you'll see a lot more from us. Like, there's a lot, like, a lot of stuff to do, but, like, either to build on what we're doing already or to expand, like, expand outwards on, and that's kind of important to me. Uh, I'd say person on a personal level. Uh, for me, what I would like to do, what we haven't really had an opportunity to do before, just from being shorthanded more more than anything else, um, is is to do something special around events, especially the big ones, um, the two MCMs in London, and especially the Glasgow one because it's sort of home territory for us, but. My ultimate dream would be to do something special and cool around whatever we do there, um, around our space, around our stalls. Um, And this is something I think this year, or anyway, within the next 12 months, we'll be able to to strive towards because um, we just want to deliver a different experience for people, not only online and how they interact with us and and with our products, but we want to do something that, that will make people go... Oh right, Anime Limited are at are at MCM. Oh god, I wonder what they're doing this time, and then come and check us out. Um, so it's not just straight up sales and and cool banners, but something something a little extra, something that gives fans and uh, attendees, you know, something something to take away, something to, something to enjoy. Fun. Yeah, you know, something a little extra, um, and hopefully the next twelve months we'll see that. Apart from that as well, I guess acquiring new content that is awesome is on my 
my to-do list, I already have a, a slate about as long as Jeremy, actually, for um, like for things I'm, I'm looking at just now. One of which, like, which will be announced, actually, assuming this goes up on schedule of tomorrow, then, like, will be announced by this point is Miss Hokusai, which is a, like, a really interesting film for me from Production IG coming out this year. Um, am I allowed to talk about it a bit more just now, Jeremy, or am I stealing away time for questions? Andrew, tell us about Miss Hokusai. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. No, um, like, it's... It's an interesting film for me. It's been the latest one from IG, who are fresh off doing um, like Giovanni's Island most recently. Um, it's a, it's based on a manga and a, like a real life real life duo back in the day. If you don't know the name Hokusai just now, you probably actually know his artwork, or well, like uh, like his artwork actually already. I mean, for example, around the corner from our office is like an like a tribute to one of his most famous paintings. Which is based on the the Great Wave of Kanagawa. Um, if you Google that, you'll you'll recognize the imagery almost immediately. And the story is actually about his daughter, who like like his was also an artist. And there's a lot of like there's some int- I think there's an interesting academic paper about her work, actually, and how much of like of their work, like whose work was whose. There, I know she did a very interesting piece. Like, actually, at one point, as an advert for a tea company, a tea house, actually, in fact. So even back then, there was advertising material out there by artists, for example, which is pretty pretty cool when you think about it. And I think you're going to learn, much like with Giovanni's Island, we were trying to teach people a lot about what happened in Japan after World War II. In this case, it's a bit of a lighter note, actually. It's more of an art appreciation note. We're trying to show people some of the, the cool artworks but we're, we're created around that time, and it's not just Hokusai and his daughter who feature in the film, there's other artists as well from the, the era who are there, and a lot of artworks are at, like, how they came, like, at least in terms of story, how they came about anyway are in there, and it's really fascinating. That's a film that's directed by Keiichi Hara, who's the same director as Colourful, which some people on the Japan Foundation tour and as part of Scott and Love's anime back in 2012 may have seen. And for those who haven't, uh, I'm sure there'll be a way to watch it sooner or later in the UK as well, actually. I mean, it's not been licensed yet, to my knowledge, but uh, with a film like this coming out, it's almost certain someone will look at it eventually. And it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating combination. Uh, the, hopefully there'll be a trailer in the near future as well, and definitely keep an eye out on our website for more details about it as it comes up. It's like the the voice actress playing the main character actually as well is very interesting because although her surname is different, you'll find with a little bit of Wikipedia and a bit of tracking through IMDb and such that her father is actually Ken Watanabe. Wow, no kidding. So, like, but she's she's a, a talented actress and model in her own right, so she doesn't use her father's name normally because she doesn't want to have to go through all the questions of uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's a very, she's a very interesting person all along. The actual original manga, though it's not, to my knowledge, at least been published in English just now, is a very fascinating, like, work as well. So you're going to learn a lot more about it over the next few months. I'm not going to bore you any more with it just now. But that's our latest acquisition, and I'm very happy with that. We like to bring the learning films. Learning, but interesting. I mean, not... No, like, not I, like I feel a little bit sick in my mouth when I use the word edutainment, so it's not that. It's an entertaining film that just happens to have some informative things in it. And uh, we've got some questions from the, from the Twitterverse now. My favourite part. 
So, first of all, uh, to get this one out of the way, any idea when you can start to release standard editions of Kill the Kill? Short answer, no idea yet. Um, longer answer, it's something we really care about, and doing... The trouble with doing digital, like doing, um, like in the digital ages, we are actually releasing sooner and sooner compared to when it used to be. I mean, now the regular title for us comes out under a year for or about a year or just over a year from when Japanese broadcast ended. In the old, like in, in I say in the old days, a couple of years ago, that that line was a lot further away, and like a lot of companies still have to release seventeen to eighteen to nineteen months later to do a. Like to do a complete collection, sometimes a little bit less, but you're never looking at less than about 15 to 16 months by and large men of Japanese broadcast. So it's been a huge cutback. For something like Giovanni's Island, it's basically under half a year, it's the same year it came out. Like at least under a year from the time it came out in Japan, and with theatrical, maybe a month or two afterwards in some cases. So Closing the gap is very important to us, it's just, and so is opening up options. So for films, for example, we've released standard editions as well as an ultimate or collector's edition, like for every film we've done, by and large. Um, and for, like, for to, be, like, to be honest, like, Kill a Kill is more of an exception to the rule than anything. Like, normally the, the longest time you have to wait is one or two months for a, a standard edition on TV from us. So, for example, you know, Space Dandy Season 1. The standard edition came out in January, the collectors came out at late November time, really. And, like, for the, the second season, we've actually managed to close that gap down to the same time. Which, like, we feel is really important, but we also... Where there are restrictions or we want to get content out there wider, we do look at digital as well. So platforms like Netflix, Viewster... Like, iTunes for film will become a lot more common, I think, for us. Same for... We're looking at TV series as well. Like, you're looking at platforms like Animax as well. Like, uh, of course, as well, there are other platforms we're talking to and looking at. It's kind of always about growth. And that's really important to us. So, I mean, as as soon as we can, we will. But the, the honest truth at the end of the, the longer version, I guess, the explanation... Is you're probably looking at 2016 and probably mid to late 2016 before we can do do that with the title. Right now we're looking at what our other options are. Can we release a cheaper set of three like three parts, for example, maybe towards the end of this year, for example? Like we're gonna try our best though to make it work for people however we can, and we we recognize our current release isn't isn't the ideal for the, honestly the majority of the market, but we have restrictions on us so we have to kind of walk a fine line till we offer five parts with no extras at like kind of the sword art online style pricing that came out in the uk and australia or do we offer you three parts that cost a bit more surface level when you do the maths actually cost about the same as the standard edition parts would together and give you basically give you nothing like give you something extra instead of giving you nothing really extra in the standard editions so it's kind of a tightrope, and we know multiple parts of the standard edition are just not what the, the casual market are looking for. The majority of the market who purchase just now the standard editions are looking for. So I'm not like I'd be interested to hear people's opinions. Is it worth doing standard editions in three parts, for example, for it to make it more accessible, or would people rather to wait for a year, not well, two years, rather from my initial release, for example? It, it's a tough one. And we're, we're trying to find the right balance there, so 
we appreciate people who have been patient with us. Will you have any plans to bring any more older anime to Blu-ray? I do like old anime. I think I've mentioned one or two over the the space of this podcast, actually. Um, yeah, like, I've been showing a lot more to, to like, Kerry as well in the last half year or so, like, talking through what's involved as well. It's something... If there's something interesting to do there, we definitely will, and there's a lot of content out there that, that I would love to, to do something with, and a lot that's actually contract-wise sitting on my desk just now, for example. I mean, we've just done... Like the Mobile Suit Gundam Gino Reconquista, for example, or Reconquista NG in Japan, I believe it's called. Um, does that mean we're looking at older Gundam? Who knows just now, but uh, like, uh, there's a lot of classics in that area, for example, Untouched. There's a lot of titles from the days when I was back at Bandai, for example. I would, I would love to go back to Planet S, for example, like I, I mentioned before. Um, like, There's a lot of content I, I would love to bring to Blu-ray and in an interesting format, not necessarily a hyper-expensive one, but just something different, you know? We do have a lot of love for, for older classical uh, anime, just, you know, not only film, but TV series as well, and it's something we feel very strongly about, and especially for those films that didn't maybe get enough love at the time, or, you know, didn't have anything special around them, or, or have become sort of special after the fact, so we like to recognize that and try to do something extra that that just kind of reminds people about why this film or why this series is so amazing and to kind of give it a little bit of love that it needs what's your relationship with Wakanim now a fair question and giving the really short boring answer it's good um we're we're friends like i'd say friends really i mean they they came to us at an interesting time looking to do something interesting in the uk and to see if their platform will work. I have to give you the context, Wakanim has been around in France for the same amount of time Crunchyroll has in the USA. And they started with completely different models but built themselves up to actually quite a similar point in each of their markets. Obviously, Crunchyroll's expanded massively since, whereas Wakanim is focused mostly on, on the French market. But, you know, like we, we have a real appreciation for what they're doing, and we, we, we gave it an experiment for basically a year. Working things like Kill the Kill, Samurai Flamenco, Space Dandy, Tokyo Ghoul, Terran Resonance, you know, um, and like they like. Once the experiment came to an end, we we looked at the numbers. And they actually weren't bad, but the the reason we actually like like things haven't happened there recently is because they were were looking at focusing their time and effort on kind of rejuvenating the platform and kind of evolving it with what they'd learnt in the UK market and what they, the way the French market is evolving. So, like, we, we're really interested to see what they do next and we actually talk quite a lot because we work together very closely in France. So I guess our relationship is very friendly, I'd say. But we, of course, love people like Animax, and we love Viewster, we love Crunchyroll, and we've not done much with Crunchyroll just now, but I'm a big fan of what they do. So, I mean, you never know in the future what will happen there, for example. There's a lot of interesting platforms out there. And... They are all ways to reach new audiences, I think. Like, uh, that's the really fascinating thing to me. Any updates on Full Metal Panic? Interesting question. Um, it's moving along. We're into the materials phase just now, checking out all the available assets. Um, I'm sure we'll have some more news for people in maybe, maybe the next podcast, maybe the one after that. Why did you stop posting sales data despite saying the next month would be next week? And would you do it again? 
<laughs> yeah, I thought I might have covered this a little bit earlier, actually. Um, yeah, I might have slipped it into the conversation a little bit earlier. But basically, I was incredibly busy. And when you only have a, a certain number of people, it's very difficult to add extra additional content. But with yourself, you know, Jeremy, actually, and that's something we were discussing earlier, I believe. Um, like, we're going to look at bringing that back on a monthly basis. Maybe we'll do some of the backlog next week as well, actually. And try and get things rolling again there for folks because I know it's something interesting to people it's just all in all we had to weigh up what time we had like on our hands any plans for closing the gap further between the UK and Japanese releases uh, where we can um, like saying any plans is, is a bit like asking us to lay out an entire roadmap for it but it's kind of a an imprecise science but our goal is always to bring out the title as soon as we can in the UK market and the French market for that matter, so yes, I guess is the short answer. Interested in Durarara Season 2? I, I do like Durarara, I love the Cano. Right now our main priority is to get the like the first season back out, which is into the last stage, now we're on to getting check discs in the next week, um, which is exceptionally cool. Um, adding a fixing the subtitle problems from before and adding a sign and song track for people which is super important for the dub and is a, a rather painful point for me all in all personally on it but like it's all being like it's all being fixed that means the DVD standard and Blu-ray standard editions will will hopefully be out in time for MCMA actually now I think of it um, so as for season 2 once I'm done with that ask me again mm-hmm. Has the demise of Manga UK changed how much you license a quarter or changed licenses you might go for? That's an interesting question, actually, because I would honestly say that where did you hear Manga had had a demise to begin with? Uh, Like, it would be remiss of me not to say, obviously, they've had a rough time with, like, with one release for subtitles recently and compression, but barring that, their problems have, like, they haven't really had any... Any prob- like problem problems with their releases, by and large. Um, and they're going from strength to strength, actually, I would say. I mean, the, the news on UKAnime.net earlier today, for example, was, was especially interesting. Uh, I think if you check it out, you'll see what I mean. But they are, like, I, I think they're actually gaining a lot more freedom. And I think combined with what, like, what Animatsu are doing, both, like, both Jerome and Andrew are both super passionate about what they do, and they're really good at it. Like, uh, like I... I always enjoy seeing what they're doing next because it gives us some actual real motivation to, to strive and work harder. Like, it's, it's, it's friendly competition is the best thing that exists on the, like in the UK industry and the thing which, which keeps everyone sane is the fact that people can talk in the industry by and large in the UK. And that's like something which is really interesting to me. I, like, I, so I think there's no real, in terms of actual volume of acquisition, I don't think there's any decrease for sure. Is there an increase? Well, we are, like, everyone is always eager to get the best possible content, like, they can for the company. There's plenty to go around. I'd like to see our, like, our pipeline, to use the phrase, increase. Um, and I think you'll actually see that over the next year, but I think you'll see that that kind of everyone's flow of titles will increase by and large. MDM, for example, are doing an amazing job just now of releasing titles across the board. Uh, Michiko and Hatchin's one of my favourite titles in, in recent days, for example. I would heartily advise people to check it out. It's from the, the director who brought you um, the woman called Fujiko Mine, and she actually studied underneath Shinichiro Watanabe for a long time on direction. 
And that's like his style of direction is really interesting. He just lets people watch what he does and sees what they take away from it. And like noticeably, the thing director, new directors take away, like Shingo Natsume, the director for Space Dandy, like um, Sobi Yamamoto for like Mitchell Van Hatchin, and in fact, um, the woman called Fujiko Mine, is kind of the way they tell the story and such. And each one has a different way of doing it, which is what makes their direction so interesting afterwards. But like it's really like it's really cool. For example, so I mean, I think it's not really changing our volume, and it's not in terms of what we're going for. Everyone goes for everything if they can. Um, we kind of specifically target certain titles that fit our our brand a lot more. But like, really, it's about doing interesting things with interesting people at the end of the day, and I think that's true for everyone. So ultimately. I guess the answer is no. I mean, it's not changed things at all for us. I don't think it's changed anything for them, either in terms of what we're acquiring. Cool. Well, uh, thank you both very much for your time. And uh, with that being said, um, interview portion over. We can chill out a bit now. (laughs) So, folks, that's the serious part of the show out of the way. It's not going to be like that every week, but it was a great time to start off with that kind of with that kind of flow, as it were, just to really set the ground. Yeah, I think you'd like. I think we'd all like to see some some other some fresh voices, so to speak, on the like the podcast mm-hmm. as well. Because it'll get incredibly boring with just the three of us talking about what we're doing, doing at work after a while. So I mean, like it, like it's we're kind of interested to see what people feel about the podcast. So we'd like to kind of develop things kind of organically with, like with everyone who's listening to it by and large. Yeah, definitely. And it's not just going to be me interviewing each week, by the way, in case no. you're... I say each week, each time, in case you're wondering. We're going we're gonna to have themes. We're going to be bringing people on. The cast will be varied. We're going to have other team members who aren't here today on. There's going to be a really nice mix of what's going on. As I say, different themes. It could be, for example, Andrew, throwing out an idea, we could have just talked about the Oscars for a while. We, we could if have we done wanted that. To. I have a lot to say about that, so I'll hold my, my tongue. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm just <laughs> but, um, a little bit sore about the Oscars. A little bit. Or we could just focus it on I don't know what's what's a great gateway anime we could even just go as broad as that there's a, the world of possibilities for us I guess the point is is this meant to be fun and relatively speaking bite sized for people so also super like, informative super informative as well of course <laughs> but like I mean like stay tuned I guess and such and enjoy Indeed, indeed. So that's going to wrap up this first edition of Anime Limited's podcast. As mentioned, we're going to aim to try and do this monthly or so. It might be quicker than that for all we know, so stay tuned. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. Do let us know what you think. As mentioned, going forward, it's going to have a completely different feel, but we thought that was a really good way just to get the ground running, to to lay out what has happened, and uh, some idea of where we're going next. So with that being said... From Kerry Andrew and myself, we have been Team Anime Limited, signing out. See ya!